Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I have a fun and educational and at times inspiring conversation with Ironman 70.3 world champion, Tim Reed. And in this episode, we discuss Tim's journey and his process. And we then go on to dissect the Ironman 70.3 world championships that are coming up this weekend. And we have some fun with 15 rapid fire questions. I'll have to have Tim back on the show, honestly. His knowledge of what it takes to perform at the highest level is just absolutely, truly remarkable. And we could have kept talking for hours. And in fact, we did keep chatting post-recording for a long, long time. Just absolutely wonderful conversation. But before we go on, thank you again so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you are enjoying the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor by sharing it on your social platforms. And or, like I've mentioned before, if you can support the show's partners, that would be wonderful. Athletic Brewing, you can't go wrong. Absolutely wonderful craft beers that are non-alcoholic. Athletic Greens, wake up every day with those. Just absolutely brilliant. High price. I honestly can't go out the door without using any of their products anymore. And then Form Smart Swim Goggles. Honestly, they're the only reason I swim these days. It's so much fun. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this chat with Tim as much as I did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. A quick mention of the show's partners. These are all great companies and products that I use daily. If you want to support the show, you'd be doing me a massive favor by supporting these brands. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Anyone will tell you that I'm someone who loves to have a beer and there's always a beer in the fridge for me and or guests that pop in. But with kids, my work and just my overall health, I I, I can't and I don't drink often. I can't afford to not be on my game and, and I simply don't like the foggy feeling I get by drinking alcohol. So I've tried non-alcoholic beers, but I guess I'm a bit of a beer snob because none of them have measured up to a real craft beer experience that I like. But now with Athletic Brewing, I can have a high quality, just flavorful and award-winning craft beer, and it's only 50 to 70 calories per can. And these beers just, they fit into any occasion. So I don't have to compromise on my social life or choose between having a great beer and, and just keeping my clarity. So go ahead and check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com. Or you can find them at your local liquor store or bottle shop. Um, I'll let you know, I'll be having one every single episode I record. They're, they're that good. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice. Hyperice is my go-to solution for recovery and restoration. The handheld percussion therapy devices, the Normatec boots and the vibrating rollers all release your deepest muscle tension and just aid your recovery. I own the Hypervolt Plus, I own the Hypervolt Go, the Normatec boots, and the vibrating rollers. And both my wife, Laura, and I use them every day before and after workouts and before bed. They're all just so easy to use at home. They're, they're quiet, easy to charge, and have ready at any time. I encourage you to look after your body. Honestly, it's the only thing you get to keep for all of your life. All these Hyperize products are just simply brilliant. Get 10% off all high-priced products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com, that's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com, and use code GREG21 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by my longtime partner, an amazing company and brilliant product, Athletic Greens. I'm using Athletic Greens every day. Great taste, so quick and ready to go. Athletic Greens is a delicious blend of 75 superfoods and vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and a greens blend and more to support gut health, energy, and immunity and stress. 
I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens Vitamin D, a huge portion of the population of vitamin D deficient, myself included. And right now, Athletic Greens will give you a year's supply of vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Do yourself a favor and sign up. It makes a great gift for a family member or a friend. So sign up now and get a free year of supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. This episode is brought to you by Form. In my opinion, Form Smart Swim Goggles are the biggest thing to hit the swimming world. With Form Smart Swim Goggles, you can see all your key metrics while you're swimming, distance, your pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. The swim data is displayed on the goggle lens and you can customize the display to see the key metrics that you want to see. I couldn't believe it when I first tried them. They fit like normal, comfortable goggles and the display is there, but it's not in the way. I consciously look at the lens to see my stroke rate and my pace and my heart rate and distance. If you're a pool swimmer or an open water swimmer, I encourage you to check these goggles out. Please go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. Again, that is formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off the Form Smart Swim Goggles at checkout or use code Greg2021 at checkout. All right, today I'm joined in the studio by a man with over 80 professional podium finishes, winning 23 Ironman 70.3s and add to that Ironman Australia. And in 2016, won the Ironman 20, uh, 70.3 excuse me, World Championships on home soil on the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. And somehow he's able to balance his professional racing with his wife and raising three young boys. I have no idea how you're able to do that. I really don't. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to just watch him consistently over the years, just consistently win and, and podium and just constantly be there. And now I get to sit with him in the studio. So welcome. And thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show. Tim Reid, how are you, mate? I'm really good, thanks, Greg. Yeah. It's a real honour to be on. Um, obviously, growing up, watching the sport, I grew up watching it and a fan of it before I ever became even inter- like interested in racing. And, you know, it was you, uh, Miles Stewart and Brad Bevan and Welshie, and that was like the thing that I saw these guys run around in budgie smugglers, like just the fast, fun racing was what really got me interested. And so it's cool to come full circle and now be able to, you know, to have had some good races and be able to talk to you is, uh, yeah, like I said, it's an honour. Well, it's like I said in the intro, it's been a real joy watching you over this last 10 to 15 years come into the sport. And then, like I touched on in the intro, winning that world title on home soil, it was just incredible. And, and you're ageing me, mate, because all those names, were, we all go back 30, 30 years ago now, 25 years ago. It's amazing how time flies. And I want to add one more thing before we go on. A budgie smuggler. For people that don't know, that's a swimsuit. That is a swimsuit. <laughs> yes, correct. And yes, that's all we used to race in, the, the, the skimpy little swimsuit. And you still do, right? Uh, off and on. So obviously okay. there's a pretty big aero advantage <laughs> now with a lot of the suits that cover your arms and things like that. But honestly, uh, on the run, if I have time, I'll still try and get into the budgie smuggler because I feel like the crowd support you get <laughs> it is worth the time lost in transition. <laughs> I'm dead set. Like the people just... Especially in America, they just give you a lot more support if you've just, yeah, showing a bit more leg. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's like a performance enhancer. Oh, I know. (laughs) That's awesome, mate. Well, look, I saw you at the pool the other day um, and and first I was kind of like, hang on, who's this guy Tim Reid doing on the pool deck in in Boulder here? How in the world did you get out of 
Australia? And secondly, not just the, the Australian government letting you go, but how did your wife, Monica, let you go with those three <laughs> young boys? How are you over here on your own right now? <laughs> Mate, she spent the whole of 2020 with me. She was ready to let me go. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a pretty, bit of a process. So, mm. you know, you have to obviously apply to the government to get an exemption to leave. And, and uh, after last year, you know, there was a few races in Australia, but I was, you know, homeschooling kids. My wife, Monica, went back to almost full-time work. Mm. I really was unhappy with the racing. Mm. And, you know, I'm 36 now and you don't know, you never know how many more years you've got. And I just couldn't live with myself. Firstly, because of all the support my American sponsors have given me over the years. And also just from a personal fulfillment perspective, I just didn't want to waste another year. Two years without racing, probably in your, you know, your best years, mm. is, uh, is a hard one to swallow. And thankfully, Monica... Ironically, she was the one the first year I travelled overseas and came back, you know, having lost $20,000 or something. Mm. She was the one that pushed me to go back the second year when I was ready to go back to full-time work. And this time around, she was the one who really pushed me to come this year. So I think she knows. Uh, also, I, th I think she realises how important it is for me to um, just be really focus on triathlon, for, even if it's just for two months. Yeah, I feel like away from everything, away from the home, away from the boys, I can get back to competing at that highest level. And, uh, but it also means when I go back, I can be way more focused on family instead yeah. of half doing things. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's hard. Like uh, she's got a little bit of help from my parents. Her parents can't leave Sydney. So that's a bit tough, yeah. but, uh, she's, she's a bit of a trooper and she's way better at coping with things than I am, put it that way. <laughs> well, Monica, a huge shout out to you if you're listening to this and I hope she does because I mean, that whole, that whole saying of, you know, behind every good man is a stronger woman. And, uh, and I've had conversations, not, you're not the first where we've sat down and gone, Oh, us guys, we're lucky to have these women behind us. So we're so lucky. How old are your boys now? So my youngest Edgar is three mm -hmm. and then Arthur's six and Oscar's nine. Okay, so when you won world championships, you you already had two boys at that point. I had two, yeah, yep. Wow, I now that I have two kids of my own, I, I just shake my head and just in amazement that yeah. you're able to do it all because the recovery it can't be easy. It wasn't easy. I have to say, Monica, like those probably 2015 and 2016 were easily my peak selfishness, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think I got to the end of 2016 and it had been. An amazing year for me. I never believed I'd be good at Ironman and I won an Ironman. Mm -hmm. There was 2016 Worlds and then Asia Pac Champs as well. And I also I really looked at things and thought, okay, now it's time to wind it back a little bit. You know, I'm going to try and focus on big races, but I'm not going to try and win every race. And that's my mentality before that was I took everything very, very seriously. And if I had a bad race, I wouldn't sleep for two or three nights. And I was insanely competitive. But you also... I mean, sure, you're aware. You, you say no to go into weddings. You you lose friendships. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I realised, okay, I've I don't regret anything. It was an amazing thing to reach that level. But also, I need to start bringing back a little bit more of the other side of being a human. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> a, there's maturity that comes though, right? I mean, because your twenties, to some degree, is about kind of striving and that kind of doing everything you can with blinders on. And then I think you realise in your thirties, to some degree, that hang on, I can still be strive for excellence, but there is still a way to do it in a more balanced approach. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think the, the, the answer is probably you just have to accept that you're not going to be at your best a lot of the year, mm. but then you, you dial in and you really focus on when you want to be at your best. And, and Monica, knowing that if I set out the year and said, look, these months I'm here, I'm present, 
I'm going to be a bit shitter at triathlon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But then this eight weeks, I'm going to go back to being pretty selfish. <laughs> yeah. But and that, and that, was, that worked out a lot better for us as a family. Yeah. Like I, I don't think my lifestyle was sustainable for a happy marriage, happy family. But you, but you know what I love about that is the communication process that you do have because I think we see a lot of it in this sport, an age group as much as professional, to be honest, where they, I'm doing an Ironman or I'm doing 70 point, and they go all in, but it, it, it takes that, that team around you, which starts with your family. I mean, I'm always on this show advocating build your team, build your team, but mm. if you don't have your partner, if you don't have your kids involved and understanding what you're doing, it makes it that little bit harder. Yeah, I, I think ultimately if you don't involve them or you don't compromise, you're going to end up, you might have great results, but eventually things will fall apart <laughs> things personally. Will. Yeah. And then you're not going to be happy and it's no point retiring if you've got no one left in your life yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know, with the good results. So, so what's your plan that you're over here now and, and everything else? So, mate, it's, I'm, I'm pretty hungry just to race, yeah. you know, and I have a huge base from training for about four cancelled Ironmans. <laughs> so oh, dear. I'm, I'm going to go, my swimming's atrocious at the moment. Is it? Um, but it's coming back slowly. We just had pools chart in Australia, a lot on with kids at home. And and so that's slowly coming back. I'm going to race. The plan is to race St. George. And then I'm going to race two two weekends afterwards. And a few years ago, that would never have been possible. But with now with these bloody super trampoline cushion shoes, you, you finish your race and you can literally run two or three days later. Whereas... Back in back in our day, back in our day when the, <laughs> when the ran, shoes were like done up volleys or whatever, when we ran on cow leather. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the sandals I, I we had were miserable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't run for like six or seven days. Yeah, yeah. So I'm giving it a crack. Like, funnily enough, in 2018 and, and 19, often I felt like I was a bit tired in first race, and so I jump into a race a week after that. And most of my wins came in the second race. Yeah, I was a bit the same actually. Oh, yeah. I often had that little one that just to get the cobwebs out and yeah. then I felt pretty good the next week so long as I could recover. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, that doesn't bode well for St. George. <laughs> <laughs> yes, St. George World Championships. Well, it's a pretty, it's, it's a, a pretty, it's a cherry pick type race, isn't it really? It's just a tune up for Augusta. <laughs> Actually, Augusta was my first ever 70.3 win, so that's a very special oh, one. Cool. There you go. Yeah. So it is more important than world championships. <laughs> what, um, now, I did see on your Instagram and things you were doing reviews of all these shoes. Yeah. Um, are you not with a shoe company or you? No, I mean, so I had a. I, I was in that sort of golden era where sponsorship deals with shoe companies were, were quite lucrative. And so mm. then when I found out what people were getting, I was like, well, I'd rather just, especially with the advantage in shoes now, I'd rather pick my own shoes. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, as through uni, I actually worked in a shoe running shop and I've always been obsessed with shoes. And so, and it, I love just doing intervals, swapping shoes, testing, yeah. testing, yeah. testing. And people would, just constantly asking me, hey, which shoe should I use? And I was like, of course, it's very individual depending on your gait and your cadence and everything. But I just decided to start writing it down. I don't put up the many tables of um, different results and things. Maybe one day I'll do like a, a, a pay-per-view yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, a, it's just a nice way to send myself broke buying shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say because they're two hundred fifty dollars a pop, oh, right? Mate. No, yeah. to be fair, like um, like Asics have sent me a lot. Of, a lot of brands don't mind sending yeah. me the shoes. Um, they get a slightly average review, and it sort of stops pretty quick. But yeah, yeah. but then you know, I'd rather keep it honest and and try and be fair across across all the brands and show that it's not 
you know, I'm not biased by. Well, I think I think to have an elite athlete of your level and somebody that understands performance at your level, any shoe company's mad not to at least put theirs in the mix. Yeah, uh, and and I've always said like I'm not shut off to being sponsored by a shoe company. If if, if I found a shoe that I know was very very fast, uh, I would wouldn't hesitate. But um, so what? Okay, <laughs> what what are you racing in in St George? So that this for is your the, running type and everything this else. This is I the hard part, Greg. I'm actually choosing a shoe that might not be the absolute fastest, but it'd be very close mm. to uh, for a hilly course like that. But mm. I know my legs will be fresher mm-hmm. for the weekend after. So gotcha. it might be very close with. Uh, you know, some of the the new ASICs I love. Mm. Um, That's the Meta Speed, is Meta Speed, and there's a Meta Edge, I think it's called. And I okay. like that one. It's a little bit higher drop uh, and tests amazingly fast, but I'll probably go something even more cushioned just so if St. George doesn't go how I want to, I can back up the next weekend and, you know, I've got a lot a lot of uh, flight expenses to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, it was expensive getting out of Australia right yeah, now, right? Oh, there's no flights. It's so. an easy 15K just oh, to, to get in and out. And Australian dollars, right? Australian. Oh, that's what? It's a dollar fifty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's close to US everybody. <laughs> but the well, the hard part is because they're only allowing thirty people on a plane <laughs> home. You got to book business home, and so to guarantee a flight. And you know, I, I said to Monica, oh, maybe I'll just go economy and take the gamble. And she's like, No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't care. We have to get a second mortgage. You get home. <laughs> you get home. Exactly. So. Oh, mate. So you didn't tell me what pair of shoes you're running in. Uh, I haven't decided. Yet. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, I've got okay. a couple. Uh, yeah, mate, it's it's doing my head. In. I'm losing sleep. <laughs> I'm losing sleep over it. I love it, mate. Well, listen, before we get going any further, let's crack open a beer. We've already gone on gone on a, a tangent everywhere. So this is athletic brewing. I've got the um, what am I drinking? The hazy IPA. Oh, that's I like delicious. this one. I've what got, got the Cerveza Athletica. Well done. Yeah, it's nice. I wasn't sure how to pronounce that when I first got that, and I had to ask Laura. But you were just bang spot on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> non-alcoholic, by the way, so he's not getting he's not getting on it six no. days before a race because we're we're recording right now True Sunday. <laughs> you got the race coming up on Saturday, so yeah, six days out. Your taper started? Yeah, pretty much. I um, went out for an easy easy run this morning. Um, it was really cool. Actually, got joined by Flora Duffy and Gwen Jorgensen. Oh, just coincidentally, they followed us on our route because they must be big fans of us. And no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was it was just cool. Like yeah. that, obviously. I don't even know if I could run a 10K as fast as Gwen, but, um, yeah, just that's the cool thing about Boulder sometimes as a bit of a fan and geek of the sport, you're like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty impressive. Isn't it funny? <laughs> that, I find that with this show a little bit. I'm like such – I'm a fan but I'm almost a little bit of a groupie. It's yeah. like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I've had my turn doing the sport, but, you know, it's like just to chat with you guys, I, I'm like always kind of going, oh, this is kind of <laughs> awesome. And Laura, Laura just shakes her head honestly. <laughs> I get all excited about you guys coming over. But anyway, today what I'd like to do is I want to get to know you a little bit better. Obviously, we've just got to know a fair bit about your, your shoe fetish. But um, And then I want to sort of dissect and have a look at the Ironman 70.3 World Champs coming up and our predictions and everything else. Um, and then kind of look at triathlon as a whole and, and, and a little bit of your process if we have time for all of that. There's a, there's a lot there. Yeah, I've, got, I've got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, but, but let's start um, so we can get to know you a little bit better. I'd love to know how you, your passion for endurance sports started um but i had i have to tell you on episode three so when i was really brand new starting this thing out i had your friend cam worth <laughs> worth on the show and he told some great stories about was it lord Howe island mm. you guys raced each other like yeah 25 years ago or something i don't yeah. know how long it was ago but yeah. anyway i just thought i'd add that little bit now and note that you know 
you've been talked about on this show previously. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, tell me about how you got started. Yeah, so I guess that was probably my real intro to it. Cam Worth and I were both sort of growing up on Lord Howe Island. and uh, Which, by the way, explain, Lord Howe Island, no one grows up on Lord Howe no, Island. That place is tiny. No, so my, my old man was the only doctor there and... It, and um, Plus vet, dentist, anything else that people needed. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wouldn't have trusted him with any dental. He did some on me. It was atrocious. Um, so, and one of the uh, guys there who sadly has passed away, a young guy, set up a triathlon there and Cam and I did it. And I think we might have been 11 or 12. But um, obviously a little, I mean, it's hard. It's a very small field. But we start, We it was Cam and I sort of. Uh, boxing it out for the win with one other older guy called Anthony Riddle. And um, it was actually a camp punctured and ran into a resort and grab a, grabbed a tourist bike <laughs> and I was riding my dad's mountain bike. But it was just one of those experiences that sort of stuck with me. I thought that was really cool, like that whole triathlon thing. I think we raced in boardies and, you know, like it was very uncompetitive as much as Cam makes it out, probably like it was world champs. <laughs> oh, no, he wouldn't make it out because I beat him. <laughs> he, did beat, he, he mentioned that it was like you, you did beat him there. Uh, like, only because of the flat tyre probably. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, and then it was really weird. I just played team sports at school, um, completely not suited to it with my stature, you know, rugby, basketball, six, seven years. And I got to like, but I, was, I remember being like 16, 17 and, so as soon as I finished school, I'm doing triathlon. Yeah. And everyone was like, but you're doing weights every day for rugby and you don't yeah. do athletics. And I was like, doesn't matter. I'm doing it. And um, and we'd, we'd do bib tests and things in rugby. Yeah, and you wouldn't get tired? I just would. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was pretty useless at most things, but I, I was really fit. <laughs> and I just and then we did a VO2 max test when I was in uni and mm-hmm. everything just pointed to doing mm-hmm. endurance sports. So I got into it and um, – and, yeah, it just sort of went from there. It was never like a, I'm going to be a pro, I'm going to do this. It was just a, oh, I'm going to do some triathlons. Mm. And then, oh, I might try and beat the first female. Oh, I'm going to try and go top 10 in my age group. And it was just a really gradual mm-hmm. stepping stones for me. And, yeah, and I just I just loved finding the next little challenge in the sport and kept working towards it that way. What, what was your VO2, that test, when you went to uni? It was in the 80s, I think, 82 or 83, yeah. Oh, yeah, you so. had no choice but to <laughs> – but to yeah. go into that, that's fantastic. Yeah. What were you doing at uni when you? Uh, so I was studying to be a PE teacher. Oh, whereabouts? At ACPE, ACPE. Australian College of Phys Ed. Yeah, yeah, I was going to go there. I ended up going to Karingai, so uh, okay. University of Technology did the same kind of yeah, thing right. as you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I remember just loving the, mm. the sports physiology, the exercise physiology subjects and mm. really not enjoying the rest. And I thought, I thought, well, if I do enough triathlons, then I might be considered, you know, uh, enough experience to be a coach. And then, of course, the triathlons just ended more and more towards the athlete side of things. But, yeah, it was, it's uh, just something that always grabbed me. You know, even I remember reading Lance Armstrong's book and got to the bit where he was doing triathlon at, you know, 16 or 17, and I was just fascinated, just going, oh, this is so cool, then got bored during his cycling. Bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. So where was that? Was that all on Lord Howe Island or did you move back to – were you no, in Sydney I, for I that No, I went then? to boarding – there's no high school on the island, so ah. I went to boarding school year, six, uh, year 7 to Where'd 12. you go? Barker College. I went to Barker. I yeah. just up the road. So I went to Newington. Oh, so we used to play uh, you guys in rugby. That's right. And Simon yeah. went to He went Knox. to Knox. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Same as Hugh Jackman. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Simon, if you're listening, I need Hugh Jackman on my show, mate. So anyway, but yeah, no, Barker's a great school. And we always played Barker in rugby and I was a bit like you. I was a rugby mad family and all I wanted to be was a rugby and I just didn't grow. Yeah. My brother was first 15s, the whole lot ended up playing professional rugby and all I wanted to do is play rugby. Yeah. And it was just everything in my life, like you, guided towards going, actually, you should probably be a, 
a triathlete because so if you weren't suited to rugby, you're twice my size. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, height taller. We don't need. <laughs> I, I put on that. a few pounds. I Gee didn't whiz! Mean it like that, so. <laughs> <laughs> this whole keeping having guests in studio is not fun anymore. <laughs> they can see what I look like. <laughs> nah, you look fit and healthy to uh, me. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> thanks. Um, so yeah, but then you actually you mentioned you know your athletic career took off. But you are you have been coaching a fair bit too, right, along the yeah, way? Yeah, I, I always coached. So from the moment I left school, I was coaching, not triathlon, but other sports, huh. and I just enjoyed it. So that was that was normally my part-time job, tennis, basketball, touch football. And then obviously as I started triathlon more and more, I was, uh, yeah, started coaching triathlon. And I tried to, even when I was racing really well as a pro, I tried to let it go. Yeah. But I just, I actually genuinely really enjoy it and, and uh it's sort of been just something I enjoy. You know, most mm. people sit down and just watch TV in their downtime. I like to sit there and look at files and write some programs and yeah. I, I don't know. It's just something that I've always loved. And, and if I'm totally honest, sometimes I think a lot of my athletes have been my guinea pigs and I've learned a lot from the mistakes they've made. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then I've had to, I've been able to fast track my <laughs> progress. <laughs> <laughs> Were you coaching Sam Appleton for yeah, a Yeah, so bit? I coach Sam Which Appleton. you guys are, for anybody knows, let me just before you continue on that, I looked at your, your results leading into this episode and it's almost like you and Sam Appleton have been just <laughs> neck and neck beating each other all the way through. Yeah. Um, just incredible that, anyway, go on because you're both incredible athletes. And yeah, so Sam came to me as like he, he'd taken a year off ITU, a bit burnt out with the whole um, system and, and was getting back into non-drafting racing, and but he was still training a lot like an ITU athlete, mm. and he's not biomechanically fantastic. So trying to do 100k run weeks wasn't really working out. But so I started coaching him, and we became you know really really good friends. But then the bastard started beating me. <laughs> so I was, and he was paying me almost nothing. And I think it was like the second or third time he beat me, and I added up, and I was like, so I've lost about 15 grand to you already this year. <laughs> You've paid me about a thousand total over two years in coaching. <laughs> so I think I was trying to hint that he needs to up his pay. I think I think you might need to look at you know some other coaching. It's a bit too much of a conflict. Um, and I was waiting for him to come back with you know doubling the fee or whatever. And he just went. He went with my suggestion of working with Matt Dixon, so, <laughs> which is which is great. Matt Matt and him have obviously worked great yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but we've obviously stayed you know best of friends for, since, and it's been a. It's been a fun relationship, um, but yeah, I was, I'm really proud and glad that I played a small role in Sam's development, you know, early on because he's obviously, you know, a phenomenal athlete now. Well, you um, both are. I mean, I, I look at, um, you know, like I said before before this episode, I went and looked at all your results, and I was comparing them to Sam's results, and the amount of times you guys have raced each other for one, obviously yeah. in Australia and also around the world, um, and even the year you got you won. 70.3 worlds. He was fourth or something, wasn't it? He yeah. was right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you guys are yeah. it almost like this whole that whole saying of rising tide lifts all boats. You guys together, yeah. I, it seems to me you've kind of come through and taken on the world almost together. I don't know. It looks, yeah. it looks like that. I also think, yeah, we have some – I guess it's easy for us to train together. and We have a lot of the similar characteristics. We're both quite anxious. Like mm. I'd say we're not great trainers but we lift on race day quite a lot because of that – stress and anxiety and we just get a kick of adrenaline that guys who are too relaxed don't get. And But also just um, biomechanically we're not, you know, we get injured, things like There's just things that were very similar for both of us. So it was an easy easy mix to train together and, and also I think 
Uh, a lot of what worked for me with Matt Dixon, I think, worked quite well with Sam. So it was an easy transition to, for Matt to take Sam on as well. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I love the fact that you guys are working together. And in fact, I'm going to have Sam on the show in the next couple of weeks. I figure I'd wait until after 70.3 Worlds, being that I, you know, I know you want to have a great performance, but I also know that coming from Australia and not having any races for the yep. year, I kind of, well, I'll, I'll reach out to Tim first. And probably hey, I, I like <laughs> to keep busy. Sam likes to not keep busy. So this is good for me. I know. Well, you were great. I, I'm like, hey, do you want to come up for a chat? Yeah, I'll come up. When do we do one do? I'm like, geez, I never get that. <laughs> that was great. So on that, you know, we talked about you getting into the sport, falling in love. What, I mean, you said it was gradual, but was there an event or anything that stuck out to you that was like, oh, maybe I could be an okay pro? Oh, I think my first or second race was an Ironman and I was useless. So, but then my, <laughs> I think my next race was a sprint and I was, you know, top three or four overall. And that, that was a bit of a, a click like, okay, so the, the engine's there. I just mm. have to learn how to go longer. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's hard to, hard to say exactly. Maybe, um, one of the couple of the half Ironmans in Australia where mm. it was, you know, they weren't super competitive because it was low prize money back then, but just to, I think I was within 20 or 30 seconds of Pete Jacobs in my first uh, pro race. Or, mm. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool, you know, like, so yeah, to put it down on one particular. What year event, was that? What year was that? Maybe 2009, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was still racing age group, but you could race in the open category in Australia. Uh -huh. So I did Hawaii in my age group and then raced and before, but leading into that, I had a couple of open podiums and things. And oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So, so you, you raced age group for how many years before you went pro? Uh, a lot. I was very hesitant to turn pro because I didn't really, didn't have that huge belief in myself. And also being in Australia, I didn't know pros that were making any real money from it. So I didn't want to give up work. No, we all had to leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I found out. Yeah. So then when I came to America, I thought I'll just have a year off work, mm. enjoy triathlon and then get back into real world. And then, you know, I'm training with Maddie Reed and guys like that and they're telling me what they're making. I'm like, what am I? I'm not going back to work. This is, <laughs> this is way better. <laughs> so, yeah, that yeah. was the switch point. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, Matt had Maddie Reed, uh, big shout out to, to Maddie Boom Boom Reed, good mate of ours and a phenomenal athlete in his own right. And he did have a, a quite a few years there where he was just consistently just ticking over great performances and had some, I think, some reasonable partners on board um, at the time. So, yep. yeah. Maddie Boom Boom, big shout out, mate. Um, but yeah, so then, sorry, just to go back to Maddie. Yeah. One time we turned up at a lifetime fitness event, or a, I can't remember, maybe Philadelphia. Yeah, we turned up to transition. Ah, uh, sorry, to race check in together. And the lady looked at us. She goes, "Oh, Maddie and Tim Reed, you guys are brothers." <laughs> well, I looked over at him. I'm up to his waist. <laughs> Yeah, what are you, five foot nine? Five foot eight, yeah. Five eight? <laughs> Maddie's six five? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's probably a few. The more, reeds are together. A lot of reeds out there. <laughs> so he's the runt of the family. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Oh, mate. I, has there been, uh, at what point, I mean, uh, on that, you know, you, you talk to Maddie Reed, you realize that, okay, potentially there's money in the sport. At what point did you say, okay, I mean, were you married to Monica at this point? Or? Yeah, so uh, we weren't married, but she yeah. came over in 2010 to visit me for a little part of that. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I, I, actually when we first started dating, I had a reasonable job, work, car, company, credit card. Really? And then but like very quickly I said, oh, by the way, I'm quitting all this. I'm going to the US to race. <laughs> and she uh, had grown up in Denver and so – had a huh. friend's wedding on the same time I was over here. So we probably maybe would have broken up. 
because it was very early on. But uh-huh. because she was going to his wedding, we just kept hanging out over here. And obviously the relationship blossomed. And uh, so, yeah, she was very supportive and Boulder actually worked out great because of her history in Denver. So yeah. it was very much like coming home for her. Oh, that's brilliant. Mm. Uh, it's great that when those things align. And, and so that was it. You just said, okay, I'm going to be professional. I'm going to just start racing and, and see how it goes. And Yeah, so I did that. I, I took my pro license 2010 and then I just thought because you're not working, you had to train six or seven hours a day. Mm. And so I proceeded to give myself, you know, stress fracture and all the usual yeah. stuff that people do in them. So then <laughs> within about a, a, a couple of months I was back um, washing dishes in restaurants and taking casual teaching jobs and just doing anything I could. And then gradually as I started to work out uh, to train a lot smarter and, yeah. and then uh, stayed injury-free, then by 2011 I was I was pretty set to – Focus completely on racing with uh, with a few athletes coaching on the side. And, and when was your first big win or win? Like seventy point three win. Seventy point three win would have been Canberra seventy point three. Yeah, was that uh, in front of a reasonable field? Again, that was a week after another race. Um, it was an okay field, <laughs> yeah. but they had Asia Pac champs in Thailand the week prior, uh, and that was good. They had Chris Lee. Um, yeah, who else was there? There was yeah. a, a Michael Rayler and, yeah. and I crashed and I lost about seven or eight minutes on the bike with a flat tyre after that and I still ran into fourth with a 111 in the humidity mm. and that was the real moment where I was like, wow, these guys are um, solid guys from the US and, I, you know, if I hadn't been lost time, it was a real big jump in belief and so then I went into Canberra a week later and when you've got that yeah. belief that you've earned it, it was it, it just fell into place and then obviously results start to flow a little bit as you start to believe more so well that, from that period onwards i mean you look at your resume and it's you've just had a couple of wins consistently every year for many 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 years you you really i was looking at it earlier here we are you basically went on a streak and it was a lot of the asia the philippines type events um I mean, Vine Man on here, Buffalo Springs in Texas. We raced in Buffalo Springs, yeah, didn't we? I think I was second to you the year you won. Yeah. Yeah. And Terenzo was, was there too, Terenzo right? Terenzo was third. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry to bring that one up. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry. Sorry, no, sorry. Well, I, was, I think that was the first race in the heat that I hadn't imploded so i was actually that was yeah. one of my, a real breakthrough race for me that was a hard race i, I remember you saying you go that is so long so long and i was just thinking i'd only ever you know i just hadn't raced shorter and i was like well okay is yeah that, is that long is it i didn't enjoy i didn't enjoy the halves and i certainly didn't enjoy the ironman at all and, and basically when i look at my i think if i raced maybe 500 races i think i did about 20 races that were longer than an olympic distance yeah and even when i won i was kind of like oh I didn't really enjoy that. It was just too far. It wasn't in my physiology, you know. It wasn't my makeup. I was definitely meant to be shorter. I mean, have you had any moments during this last sort of 15 years where you felt like giving up or or letting go of the sport? I mean. Um, Yeah, definitely last year was probably the hardest, I think. Um, You know what it's like. I think a lot of people uh, retire you before you're you're ready to retire. You know, you get to a certain age and they just – just forget the last year's results and suddenly, you know, like Crowey broke the course record in Kona. Amazing. And then the next year maybe he was 12th. Yeah. And suddenly everyone's like he's done. And yeah. I'm like that doesn't – physiology doesn't work like that. <laughs> no. But what happens is I think everyone else moves on and you've, yeah. you've got greater commitments with your family and there's not as much patience with, oh, no, you're coming to the wedding, you're doing this, you're doing that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. – um, 
And so I felt really felt that last year. You know, I just felt like other people had moved on and and maybe understandably so, and I don't, you know, begrudge them for it, but it's so this year I was I said, you know, I'm going to choose a few races and I bet you I'll go quite well in them. So I chose Australian Champs. I was going to do Ironman Australia and then 70.3 World Champs. Uh, and when I really focus on those races, I feel like I can get really really fit mm. and informed. But yeah, I I think uh last year just with the uncertainty and training for like three Ironman events that got cancelled because that was really all that was on in Australia wow. was Ironman. And every time, how long before would they get cancelled? Some of them were cancelled like three or four weeks out. Oh, man. And, it's, and I also just got burnt out with the training because I'm so used to, I'm, I'm a pretty prolific racer. Mm. And so I'd take an easy week going in, easy week going out, and it would sort of keep me mm-hmm. uh, fresh. And without any racing, I just would be... I struggle to take – with coaching, I have no problem telling people to take a week off. For yeah. myself, I, I'm bad at listening to a coach and I'm bad at listening to myself. <laughs> I, so. I, I hear you. I hear you big time. It's like I'm very good at giving advice but I don't listen to it myself. No. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, that was – I just found I just sort of ground myself down yeah. quite a lot and also not knowing what was going on with races and um, that was probably the only time I've really, really thought about it. I think – I, I, everyone wants to retire, you know, with some good races and I think it'd be very hard to do. But I'm just playing from now every year. I'm just trying to be really grateful, mm-hmm. get out some good races. If if I'm lucky enough to have good sponsors next year, 100% I would continue. But mm-hmm. if I'm also at that point where I don't want to be racing if it's becoming a selfish hobby. <laughs> no, I get – well, so, that's that's the, the wake-up call, isn't it? But yeah. I, I still – I look at you at 36 – and still believe there's more in terms of if we just look at that side of things. Obviously, you know, when you're talking family and the selfishness that you need for the sport and then obviously your partners, your brands that want to work with you. Have they stuck with you through COVID? Yeah, Trek and <coughs> Alan Sports were amazing. I obviously lost, you know, I think in a couple of weeks I lost like 50% of sponsorship, you know, last year. But the the brands that did stay with me, Prepped, Roka, um, Trek and Alan Sports, like Budgie Smuggler's always been there from the beginning yeah. as well. Like that, that, that Big was, shout out to them, big shout oh, out. Huge. Really, I mean, no, because it's they, they didn't these, have to do these it. brands, you know, especially it's tough on them especially too. Especially you know? Trek because every other bike brand was reducing athletes' um, pay or cutting them or doing something when they're all having their best profits yeah, ever. Yeah. And that was what I found inexcusable. I could totally take a cut from some sponsors because I knew they were suffering mm. and I, I accepted it and I was very grateful that for what I'd had. But when a company does better through the pandemic, I think it's a really low act to then mm. cut your athletes or reduce their salary when they most need it. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to shout out a lot of the other brands, but Trek didn't do that. Well, that's not, why, we, that's won't, we won't we, shout out the negative, but let's celebrate the yeah, positive. And exactly. Trek yep. bikes, yep. you know, <laughs> phenomenal brand. Uh, they do not sponsor this podcast, but they are a company that I've, you know, they were, I was with them my last few years of my career. Yep. Um, I had eight different bike sponsors actually in my career, <laughs> but it also spanned about 29 years. Yeah, so that's, a that's okay. Yep. But, but I did finish with Trek and uh, our, our good friend, Simon Thompson, he was actually the marketing director. So I was very spoiled the well, way he looked after I, I me. I think I... Got in mainly because of Simon yeah, as well. Yeah, same. So, it was yeah. the easiest contract I've ever done, actually. I remember <laughs> sitting with him at Worlds going, I'm not doing Ironman, I'm not doing 70.3, but I'll race some Olympic distance in the US. He said, that's fine. We got T.O. and it might have been you yeah. doing the longest stuff. We just want someone to do short call. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> done. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Thanks, mate. A quick mini break to remind you of the show's incredible partners. You can get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show discount code GREG21 at checkout, go to hyperice.com and use code GREG21. 
A quick reminder to do yourself a favor and sign up to Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens also makes a great gift for any family member or friend. So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. If you want to see all your key metrics like pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you swim, you need the Form Smart Swim Goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code GREG2021 at checkout. If you enjoy a beer but want to keep your clarity, stay in your game, then you have to try Athletic Brewing. I was just simply blown away by how good they taste. Just a true craft beer. Go check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com. What I'd like to do, and I'm going to move this up. Normally I do this at the very end of the show, but I thought I'm going to do it while we're getting to know our guest, which is you today. Um, And this is the 15 fun rapid fire questions, all right? Hit me. (laughs) Hit me. All right. Start with a softball. Here we go. What is your favorite family vacation? Uh, Lord Howe Island now. So I only get to go back there for vacation. That's yeah. brilliant. Okay. Um, who would you dream of having a head-to-head duel to the finish at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships this weekend? Uh, he's not racing, but Lionel Sanders for sure. I thought you said Lionel Sanders. Lionel Sanders is not racing? Apparently not. Oh. Which I think is absolutely insane from his part if he's not because that course suits him. Yeah. So, so well, so. Okay, well, we're going to get to that in a yeah, moment, we'll everybody, but yeah. let's keep going on. <laughs> let's keep this going fast. Okay, first car you owned? A Mitsubishi Nimbus. Nice, a little Nimbus. <laughs> yeah. Was it used or secondhand? Still using it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it was very secondhand. <laughs> was it really? I love that. I think mine was a Mitsubishi Magna ah, station wagon. Nice. Yeah. Okay, what would you change about yourself if you could? I wish... Uh, <laughs> in the past, I wish I could have shown more grace and class with losing. I'm not a good loser. And I don't think a lot of pros are, no. but sometimes I would put it out there publicly, the reasons why I thought I lost when I should have just kept it inside my head. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have go back and take all those back and just lose with a bit more grace. <laughs> I like that. It's a work in progress then, yeah, yeah right? It's yeah. managing that ego. That's the hard part. Yeah. All right. Um, two of the most used apps on your phone. Oh, Instagram and WhatsApp. Nice. That's pretty popular, actually. Instagram seems to be a hit. Trying to get off. I know. (laughs) Out of 10, how cool would you say you are? (laughs) Three and a half. (laughs) Three and a half. It was like you already had that answer. You've done this before. (laughs) Really? How do we make up that other six and a half points? If I went above three and a half, I would have got a lot of messages of abuse. (laughs) I I totally disagree with that. I think you're a very cool man. Look at this haircut. I know. This guy's sitting across me with a mohawk that he did himself. (laughs) Hey, look, he's a 36-year-old man that gave himself a mohawk. That's pretty unbelievably cool. Is it cool? I think that that really agrees with the three and a half. (laughs) All right. Um, Outside of triathlon, if you could choose to do anything for a day, what would it be? Um, just a long lunch with all my school friends and lots of beers. Oh, that's awesome. Can I come along? Yeah. I'm happy to serve the beers. Uh, I'll pay for the beers too. I'll come along. You're all in. right. Which would you rather do? Wash dishes, mow the lawn, clean the bathroom or vacuum the house? Mow the lawn. <clears throat> yeah, easy. 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 <laughs> First job? Uh, kitchen hand. 
kitchen hand. What does that actually mean? 14 through to about 20 years of age. Really, really? Uh, Just washing dishes, helping with food prep. I just grew up in kitchens, just out the back, sweating it up. Every different restaurants or? Uh, Different restaurants. um, I just enjoyed it. They said, do you want to go be a waiter? I'm like, no way. Like I just liked it at the back. It was simple. And yet you're such you're such a good you're so good at like the conversation and people. I, I'm, yeah. That surprises me that you'd want to like, tuck away in the back. And I like working on things that you can just get stuck in and and complete a process. Fix. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. You sound like my wife. She loves to do the laundry because she likes to, you know, put it in, take it out. Like there's a real system to it. Yep. All right. Who would you want to play you in a movie of your life? <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> 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 Let's say height doesn't matter. <laughs> he'd be good. He'd still he'd, be good. He'd have to do some training. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. It was like you had an answer for that ready as well. All right. What dinner could you prepare? Oh, um, so we've got chickens at home. So I make the boys, whenever Monica's working late, they get omelets for dinner. <laughs> they get omelets, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and they, as soon as Mon's running late, they're like, oh, they, oh, Dad, what are we having? Not omelets. I'm like, omelets? <laughs> you know it. Do you do anything fancy with those omelets oh, or you just throw some? Not too fancy, though. No. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. All right. Three guests, non-family, that would you would invite to that dinner of omelets? Three guests. <laughs> um, you can say pass if you want because that's a big Scott omelet. Morrison, so I could berate him. <laughs> um, oh. What's we got? Maybe Robbie McEwen, huge fan of Robbie. Yeah. And third person. You get Robbie on the show. Probably Craig Alexander, actually. He's nice. always entertaining. He is he, entertaining. He gets fired up. He yeah. is entertaining. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. All right. Which decade of music is the best? Oh, uh, I grew up with the 90s music, you know, that depressing grunge. <laughs> That for some reason it's is not very all. Big. It's not all Nirvana. There was some Third Eye Blind. I guess that's kind of yeah. Third it's Eye just, and, I don't know. When you're a teenager, there's something nice about trying to listen to depressing music. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I still occasionally fire it up in the car. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Hard to drop it. That's all right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, what do you do on a day off? I've got three kids, so <laughs> typically just it's yeah, just dad life really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, where is somewhere you haven't been you'd like to go? Um, I haven't been to much of South America. I'd mm. love to do that properly, you know, with the kids, just do a, you know, a couple of months there. I find travelling very tiring, but I like doing travel where you can do a week in each place. I'm the same, yeah. You don't want to have to keep packing up every time. Yeah. Okay, final final one for the rapid fire. Greatest movie of all time. Oh, Gladiator. Mm. Russell Crowe. You like that? Great movie. Oh. Yeah. It's up there with Braveheart. I was going to say Braveheart. Yeah. So is too. I think it's a real yeah. male thing for sure. Oh, absolutely. Hold. <laughs> Actually, that's from Braveheart, isn't it? <laughs> no, Chris McCormack and I used to, you know, the deep water starts. Yeah, I'd be creeping. Gonna... I'd be creeping and Mac would be at one end and I'd be on the other. I'd be like, hold. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're half a body length in front of everybody. Hold. <laughs> That's good. All uh, right, let's move on and let's discuss this weekend. Um, and I'm going to try and get this episode up before uh, the race, so um, rather than after the race, but we'll see how we go. So 70.3 World Championships. Firstly, let's discuss the course, the race, um, and why is it different? Why is a World Championship perhaps different than any other race? 
Okay, to start with, I think for St George is you're at, I mean, it's not super high, but mm. the altitude is enough that people who aren't coming from altitude will feel it. And I've definitely noticed that when I come straight from Australia. Uh, you, It's just enough that in the swim you, you're not quite comfortable. Mm. Not that I'm ever comfortable in the swim. <laughs> Me either. If you're comfortable, you're not pushing hard. You shouldn't be comfortable swimming. So I think the guys that come from altitude tend to do quite well there. Mm. The other factor is obviously it's very dry air. Like you, you hear everyone after the race and it's, you know, it's that sort of raspy cough. Mm-hmm. So asthmatics are, um, you know, probably might, can struggle a little bit as well. Um, in terms of the dynamics of the race, as you know, with the, with these championship races, the biggest influence on the race is is probably just the media at the front of the race, and probably St George is one of the few courses, a bit like France, I guess, where there's uh, it, there's still a chance for guys to get back into the race. But if you looked at South Africa a few years ago, or even um, Sunshine Coast the year I won, like yeah. Paul Lionel Sanders. Once we were coming back on the bike, I think the last 20K there's a crosswind, but we had six motorbikes stopping the crosswind. Uh, and yeah. it's such an advantage. Yeah. And, and so it's always hard. I think the front group is just that, that you know, you know the guys that would probably be front group in ITU, it's getting bigger and bigger. Mm. And so you're getting five or six guys that could literally take the race away. So, um, so you think the swimmers get a massive benefit or is it just towards the end of the bike or do you think, think they, the whole bike there's a bit a, of an advantage maybe with the motorbikes? I think there's less so on this course because you climb straight out of yeah, the swim. Yeah. Um, and I think there'll be guys like Sam Long who are quite a lot of interest for the media. So there might be motorbikes back there as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that, that's a big factor, though. That that's interesting. That's it, a really it, good point. It plays a role. I mean, in Hawaii, it's huge. Mm. Uh, you, if you can be with T.O. and Yarn, especially if you can ride near Yarn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, he, he's earned the, the media that follows him and they don't give him an advantage that necessarily. Like, it depends on the wind. There's a lot of factors with it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but if I'm if I could swim well enough, I'd be hanging with the arms yeah, as long as yeah, I could. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. The media is going to follow the big names. Um, that, 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 that's an interesting – I don't want to bring it back to myself again, but I'm going to. Um, I remember racing Lance Armstrong actually in his final 70.3 race. It was my f- second 70.3 I'd ever done in Hawaii and we are doing the 70.3 in Hawaii. I beat him out of the swim and had about a – not much of a lead and he caught me at 10K, went past – there would have been 20 motorbikes from different media companies with him. <laughs> exactly. And I tried to go with him, you know, yeah. and he came barreling past and I'm sprinting and he took off. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing. My, I yeah. know he's a better biker. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But boy, when I got off the bike and they said something like five minutes, I was like, what? Yeah. And I'd done the fastest bike split ever. And I even uh, took time out of Chris Lieto and had a really good ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. And five minutes. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, yes, my point is with that, it makes yeah. a difference. Oh, huge. I mean- uh, Montremblant, I got told to, I've made the front group, which was amazing for me. Yeah, yeah. And then I got told to go put my wetsuit back in the tub. Oh. So I had to run back, lost the group. I spent 60K to ride back to them. But then when I compared my file to that front group after the race, I'd ridden like 0. 0.8, 0. 0.8 of what's well, a kilo higher for, to get back to them. And then Whoa. I totally, you know, like just took so much to get back. But anyway, enough on that one. And then so the other factor with the championship races is just how everyone prepares. You can almost guarantee in Hawaii that half the field's going to be cooked. Yeah. And that happens even at 70.3 World Champs. The fact it's later in the year means that guys have raced a lot. Sometimes I think it's better to race all the American guys and everyone yeah. else in uh, – sorry, harder to race them in May yeah. than it is to race them in September because yeah. a lot of guys, it's just a long year. The guys that have raced the Olympics, they're so amazing that they'll put like especially, you oh. know, 
Blumenfeld and, and Gustav. Gustav. And they, they, they could be slightly off and still be on the mm, podium. Mm. But there's still a chance though with the build-up to an Olympics, the come down of Olympics. I feel like it's not as easy to predict them dominating as people would say. Mm. You know, I think. It's a long time to hold a peak. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And it's almost really difficult time because they've, do you let it drop off and come back or do you maintain? Like, Mm. I'm not sure exactly how I'd play it if I was them. Um, You know, because probably they need a week or two off at least after after the Olympics, but it'd be very difficult to take with more races coming up. Well, well, well. let's move on to then the predicting then. Um, you happy to start with the women? Am I putting you on this? I know you study yes. the men because that's who you're competing. No, and uh, I, I have a list here so we can go through them together. Um, and we'll have to share this computer that we're, <laughs> we're putting between us. Um, let me, can you see that? I can, yeah. No, I can hardly see that because I'm going half blind these days. Anyway, the women, um, and when I look at this, I actually think this is the big race of the weekend. I, no, no, no taking away from your race, <laughs> but I, I just, I love Daniela Riff is just, you know, when she raced in Georgia early in this year and she put a six minute gap on the bike and just absolutely mm. crushed it. But then we're talking about someone like a Taylor Nib who's just seems to be just keeping on going, keeping on going. And she's still kind of under the radar, but after that Collins Cup race where she sort of raced on the road bike and, and demolished yeah. the field. It, it, I just, this race for me is really spectacular. But firstly, let's break it down sort of into swim, bike, run. Um, and and if I look at the swimmers, this isn't just a Lucy Charles Barclay race because we have, I think Lucy Hall's name's on the list. I don't know if she's come over. Again, this start list, I'm not sure exactly who's racing. Um, and then we also have uh, Oliveira, Pamela, is it Pamela Oliveira? I can't remember. She's led out at the Olympics in okay. the ITU. So phenomenal swimmer. So that's. So you're thinking the pack out of the water, who, who would you say? Would Danny Ellis be able to stay with uh, Holly? And um, yeah, who, who else is going to be in that? Do you I, think I, they'll get away? or I, 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 I don't think they'll be able to keep up with uh, Lucy Charles Barkley um, and depending on who she's with. But I think. I, I think there's a very strong chase group there with Daniela Riff, Taylor Nib, um, and potentially a couple of others, like you said, Holly Lawrence. Uh, there, there, there's a group there that potentially could all work together. Um, Emma Plant-Brown, who was sitting in that chair where you were about a month ago, is oh, I just – I have her as a, one of the real big dark horses for this one. I think she could actually have a breakout race. Yeah. Um, and I kind of hope so because she's sat in this chair. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go for anybody that's hopefully, been on the show. Uh, but what are you – I mean, I, I don't know. Is Lisa Norden racing? I, I saw a name on the start list. It's so hard with this because, you know, obviously <laughs> people are dropping off like flies. Yeah, yeah. And well, they can't get into the country. I mean, or the, the clear favourite typically would be Daniela. It's just a matter of whether Ironman Switzerland – Oh. Could could fatigue her. She just know. did it last week. I know, yeah. but but then again, you know, we've it's seen, Daniela. We've, so. seen, we've seen with a lot of Sato's female athletes, they can yeah. seem to pull that sort of stuff off. Yeah. I think it'd be impossible for a, a bloke, but women yeah. women do seem to recover really quite well yeah. from racing, and um, not to generalise, but it just seems to be. Oh, it's I've just noticed. the facts. It's yeah. not uh, on the stats. Yeah. It's just re- yeah. <laughs> you just look at results and performances. I yeah. get it. So, yeah. but. Uh, <laughs> I still think because the climbs aren't really steep enough that it really comes down to power to weight, like it, 
they're not they're power climbs. Mm. You know, you look at the best riders on that course. Typically, it's Sebi, it's Lionel, it's Sam Long. Yeah. Um, I imagine it's going to suit Daniela yeah, because does. she's a she's a, just a, an outright power rider. Yeah. Uh, so some of the smaller athletes. The other thing to remember too is it's not like an a cycling race where they're riding six kilo bikes. You got a time trial bike with two or three bottles. So for a very small athlete to climb up a a long but not super steep climb, they're taking potentially 15% of their body weight uphill with them, where someone like Daniela might be taking 10 or 11% uphill, mm-hmm. but it's not steep enough to really give an advantage to the smaller people. I'm still going to say Daniela yeah. for the win. Yeah, I'd love to see Holly do well, obviously, as a Trek athlete. Um, and she's just a great, great person. I yeah. enjoy Holly. Yeah, yeah. And I think Chelsea's... Chelsea's recently had a baby. Chelsea Sadaro, I think the baby's about four months old. Wow, um, but she she's a super talent. So. She's a super talent yep. to another really sweet woman. And Jackie Herring, her performance in Collins Cup was was actually really quite outstanding. Okay. Um, and she's a mother of a three and a five year old. Right. Okay. These women, these mums, watch yep. out. <laughs> this yeah. is a holiday for them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> they feel no pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I guess the other one to to keep an eye out for is Paula Finlay because obviously yeah. she hit great form when she needed to for the championship. I think she's year. on her way up too. I think yeah. she was dealing with a few little injuries and things. Yeah. Um, I think Paula for sure is one one to consider. The thing is with Paula, when she's on, she's phenomenal. She really is. Yeah. Oh, exactly. She's one of the all-time greats if she can just get it right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then people like Ellie Salthouse. That was the other person I yeah. had down. Uh, you know, she crushed it in Australia, but it was always hard to analyse because there wasn't quite the depth there mm. that there is, you know, in some of the races here on the women's side. Some of the races were competitive, but obviously there's a lot of border closures and it was mm, tough, mm. but she was dominating. And then when she came over here, she's still dominating. Oh, yeah. she's in Europe, I think, still dominating. Yeah, she had a couple of wins. Uh, she I went think, six wins in a row, I think, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And when you have that sort of confidence, you can go in with just a, a little just a little bit looser, more relaxed, and, you know, I've certainly done it, but you can burn yourself out in the days leading up to a big race by yeah. just, just allowing it to consume you and the stress. So I think Ellie's, this is probably going to be her best chance for a podium mm-hmm. um, of the last few years for sure. Yeah. And it'll be after that, it's really interesting just to know who's going to, who's going to show up. I mean, <laughs> literally who's going to show up because so, okay, let's, let's recap the women. Then we think Daniela for the win. That's what you're saying. Yep. And okay. Give me your, your podium then second okay. and third. Oh, I'm going to say it'll be between Taylor Nib, Ellie Salthouse and uh, <laughs> and that I'll just leave it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go. I think. See, Daniela Riffley, you're right. Being a side of it, I think Daniela for the win. But I'm actually thinking Emma Plant Brown. I'm going to go a dark horse sure. that potentially could take it, and then Taylor Nib. She's just raced so much. I'm just wondering if you know a 23 year old can still keep. Turning up, um, yeah, it's, and you know what it's ask. like after a big performance like that, yeah. Collins Cup. Yeah, there's yeah. an emotional toll to it. There's an emotional there's, toll. There's only so many times your brain will let you do it. Yeah, so. you go up. Yeah, you also come down. Sure. Um. So yeah. Okay. Now with the men, let's talk about this. Tim Reed, obviously so, for the win, but we're talking who for second and third. Who's going to be within five minutes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the the first thing we should run through is who's out from the race. So wow. Brownlee's out. Gomez is out. Rudy Vonberg's out, right? Vonberg's out. Hansen's out. Uh, we had uh, who else is out? There was Lieferman's out. Lieferman. So there's a lot of big hitters. You're back up sorry. with the women. Yeah, there we go. 
that there's a lot of big hitters that are out. Um, I've heard rumours that Lionel's out, and like I said, I think that's a real shame. I think this is the course where it, it best suits him. He's, well, he I won in May. That, he's that won incredible there race. three or four times. Oh, has he really? Yeah. That many? It's yeah, just yeah. it's beautiful power climbs. They're not technical descents. I don't know where his riding's at now, but I certainly when I used to race him, he's had no technical skills whatsoever. No, well, just, he crashed in. Uh, he, he he well he told me he struggled in the Ironman he did in Copenhagen up against you know Cam Worth yeah and he said he lost a minute just going through town trying yeah, to keep up with Cam okay. and look Cam's next level on yeah, the bike too yeah. but still he lost and he's like yeah I got to work on my turn and yeah. then that was the night before the race in Collins Cup I was having dinner uh, with him yeah. next morning in the race or next afternoon he crashes on the corner in <laughs> Collins Cup so yeah. he does need some work there but you know he's but like I said St George is not it's, no. it's not technical they're big yeah. long straight descents so this it suits him down the ground I think it'd be a shame if he misses it. Mm. Cool to see Michael Raylett there. I know, like, it's been a few years since he's had great races, but mm. I still think, like I said, I, the talent's still got to be there. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'd put him as a dark horse for a top five. That, is, that is awesome. Because <laughs> Michael Raylett, one of the, the Raylett brothers, him and Andreas, probably two of the nicest men you could ever, ever meet. Um, and, and they actually stayed here for a couple of months one time and just. Lovely, lovely people. I'd love to. I just love to see him have a great race. Same, you know. So would I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the and I think like we talked about, there'll probably be a, there could be a gap out of the swim. Maybe Appleton, um, Canute. Yeah, is Aaron uh, Royal racing? I saw his name on the start I list, don't but think so. He must be doing the super sprint. The probably didn't super want to remortgage his house to get out of Australia. No, no. <laughs> Was he over doing the super league or no? He didn't he was, even. Oh, I'm not sure. Actually, no, so. I don't even know. If, he may be. Okay. Sorry, Aaron. We should be <laughs> paying more attention, mate. Um, so but, yeah, I'd like. I'd, I think those guys could. There could be three or four guys off the front with Apo and um, Ben Canute for sure. Ben Canute, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he's racing really well this year. Yeah. And I think um, what's hurt him maybe the last couple of years is he's just trying to do too much. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like maybe I'm wrong because I. I've tried not to follow too closely in 2020 because I was jealous yeah. everyone racing. Yeah. Um, but it seems like he's pulled back a bit on the race calendar, which could be really. Good well, well, the thing with Ben, he was trying to get the Olympic slot for the team relay for ah. the um, for the Americans. So he was okay. still keeping a little bit of his hand in, sure, you know, sure. in the pie, trying to go. Well, look, I'm here, Americans. If you want to have somebody really strong on the sprint relay, yeah. So now you're right. I think probably after missing out on that, he's gone. Okay, let's all go all in here. And, and I think, um, yeah, Ben Ben Canute, um and Sam Appleton are the two. They're right on that fringe. Do you know what I mean? They're and, both and they waiting for they, their. They don't both don't have the run to hang around. It's no. Like Sam, Sam has had the run at times. Yeah. Um, it's probably not quite on song at the moment. I can say this now because you won't hear it till after the race. Hopefully, well, potentially. <laughs> I'm going to try and get this out Friday. But. Sure, put it out. <laughs> Let's get in his head. Um, but they've got to go. Like yeah, if yeah. they can get, you know, even what Canute did in 2017, if they can get three or four minutes, mm. they've both got a chance of winning. So. Um, well, but definitely medal potential for both of them too, Ben Knute and Sam Appleton. I yeah, think. Um, yeah. But then we then we look at these guys. Okay, Sam Long, the, the guy. I love the guy. Like yep. I said, he, he he came into the studio. He lives three hundred meters down the road and oh, came right. up. Lovely, yeah. lovely guy. I listened to his interview. It's you good. did, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah and I just, love his energy. And I just um, he comes across on social media as really confident, but he's actually really respectful and really just trying to be the best he can be. He's keen to learn. And he's keen yeah. to learn. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's bike and run. I mean, he's turned himself into a runner. And it's yeah. quite often he steps away with the fastest run. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and I think in his ability to bike, like you said, these power climbs, it's not a power to weight as much as, you know, things mm. could be. Um, it's just how much of his swim, you know, and he knows he's got to work on his swim. Yeah. Uh, it's. I think the hard part for Sam might be 
like I said, the media train up front, but I feel like he's a big enough personality. They might have cameras even back yeah. back there yeah. filming, which which will, will pay off and hopefully you can pick me up on the way through and take me up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you, hey, Sam, if you listen to this, mate, Tim is giving your media a big shout-out to get you a train, but in the process, pick him up, yeah. But I'd love to yeah. see him do well. I do feel like it's it's harder in championship races for non-swimmers yeah. than standard races. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, obviously we haven't. We're not forgetting about the Norwegians, um, Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden. There's a potential for a one-two there. Yeah, Gustav, uh, it's hard to uh, – you'd have to have him as favourite. Mm. I think he just looks a little bit more efficient at that 70.3 distance than Blumenfeld. Blumenfeld, obviously, hectic VO2 of like 90-something. Oh, they all have those, yeah. Yeah, mm. and – but, you know, I, I just – he doesn't quite have the economy when you look at um, – Gustav running in 70.3s, he's super smooth. Mm. I, I imagine one day he'll be very good at Ironman as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I could see Blumenfeld suffering his way into a second place because he just seems to be able to hurt more than anyone. But I could see Gustav just looking smooth as a, you know, smooth as anything and potentially taking the win. And it's like I don't think Appleton and Canute are going to, they're not going to be able to get away from someone like Gustav. He's no. an exceptional biker. Mm. Mm. So I think, I really think it's his race to lose. It is. is it? I, I agree with that. Um, and, and, and look, I think it'd be unfair to Christian Blumenfeld to have this win as well. You can't win the <laughs> Olympic gold, win the World Series in the same year by winning the grand final as well. Yeah. And then go, oh, yeah, I'll win 70.3. Well, I mean, if he does, that's a pretty incredible oh, it would three be, to four month spell there, right? It I mean, would be impressive. And, uh, and he was planning on doing Kona too. And he was planning on doing which Kona. Which I think was. Well, he wasn't going to do a 70.3 Worlds oh, if he was going to do okay. Kona, I don't think. Right. That yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But. But I think he's coming over to do 70.3 worlds now. I assume he is. Uh, I haven't heard anything different. So. No, no. I did yeah. write. I wrote Javier Gomez this morning to say, "Are you coming over?" And he said, "No, he's not going to. He's not going to come over." Yeah, I think he's doing the French club racing and that kind of thing. Sure. Um, I so, think it's a real shame. I really feel sorry for Rudy von Bull, but oh, this race would really suit him. But as he's well. been just on that up curve. Yeah, but yeah. he has a mono or what do we call it? Glandular yeah. fever in Australia. Oh, is that what? Yeah, mono is? Okay, he, he had. A, yeah, I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Somebody could correct me, but I think they're. The, yeah, he just been flat since he won that race in France or whatever it was. Okay. He had a he had a big win, but yeah, yeah. really bummed for. For Rudy, yeah. Um, so Brad Weiss is in form um, mm. again. I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen him on these sort of courses that much. He, he seems to, you know, Maine was a flat, fast bike, and he ran a one hundred nine off the bike. So mm. obviously, in, on song. But uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to stick with um, Gustav Blumenfeld, and then I think it could be yeah. I think Appleton and um, Canute. Hopefully, if they're if they're uh, going well, but um, of course. I'll be hoping that second pack bridges back to me. <laughs> so where do you see yourself? What do you, what do you think? Uh, so I mean, like I said, Greg, I'm really concerned about my swim. It's just not where I'd like it to be. Mm. Cycling. Um, but is it going to be wetsuit? No. No wetsuit. Uh, that doesn't hurt me compared no. to not. I, okay. I'm a kicker, so I need my feet oh, yeah. in the water. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I just I, I just don't know. I just haven't raced enough. Normally I'd have, you know, two or three lead-up races mm. and I'd know exactly where I'm at. And so it's a bit of a... I feel a bit uh, in the dark of where I'm at. I mean, the numbers are good in training, but, you know, it's very different on going through a race, uh, full race um, specific mm. day compared to uh, just doing it in sessions. So. so what would you walk away if I said I'll give you this result and, and you'd walk away going, okay, that was good. I'm, I'm really quite happy with that. What number is so that? I'd love to have a top 10. Yeah. You know, I've had uh, – that would be four – top tens from five finishes or something. Is that so, right? So that'd be, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. 
Well, mate, I think we did pretty good there. Um, what about guys like uh, Daniel Beckergaard? So is he here? Is he coming? He's, over? he's coming across, and and I've heard his name mentioned a few times. Hard when you haven't raced these guys, but yeah, yeah. he's from what I know, he's a total beast, and yeah. he, he's another one who who could be top five. I'm not sure how he swims. I think he swims well. He swims well. Oh, okay, damn. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, he does all three well. He's actually an all rounder, and uh, his race uh, at Collins Cup was okay. There he, you go. he actually passed. Ben Canute. Um, basically, they were together out of the swim, so that's yep. how good a swimmer he is. Okay, they were together off the bike. Yep. Ben Canute kept putting about fifteen seconds into him in transitions. So <laughs> right. he transitions like an Ironman athlete, <laughs> and Ben transitions like a super sprint athlete. Okay. So it was a real. Yeah. And so he had to keep catching Ben, <laughs> and he did. He kept catching Ben, and then on the run, he caught Ben and ran straight past him. And uh, I was, I was quite impressed with with him. So I think he's, he's another one. So many, so many big names, mate. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be. I mean, you lose a few, but there's so much depth now that it's still going to be a fantastic race. Yeah, and, yeah. So. All right, well, yeah. mate. This is. Uh, I want to ask you a few more questions, if we could. Sure. Um, more about your training and and some of your training philosophies. You know, you said you're coaching people still. Is there any sort of major influence to your coaching style? I mean, you know, looking at the old greats of Arthur Lydiard and, and that kind of stuff that I always sing the praises of. Is there anybody that you, you've used as a mentor, as a guide for your kind of coaching yeah, and training? It's, I, um, obviously, Matt Dixon had a huge influence on mm. me. He's very much based around how well does the athlete recover um, before working out what, you know, what load to give them. And, yeah. you know, for example, um, for different athletes, like I'm a huge fan of the Lydiard approach, especially if I was – I don't coach, but if I was coaching an ITU athlete – I think that would be very much the approach I would go down. Um, for Ironman and 70.3 racing, I think the run is so determined by how strong you are on the bike. Yeah. And so it's a real cycling-focused approach that I take with most athletes. Um, not all, but certainly most. But I look at it as working out what the athlete's primary limiters are and then going from there. So did they grow up running? Right. Yeah. Yeah, then we'd focus on cycling and swimming or what's, you know, what's holding them back. And so I, I don't want to pigeonhole a certain approach because it's, it is very different. Some athletes I've got, I just respond really well to aerobic mileage. They're doing 30, 35 hours a week. And then I've coached guys like Apo, you give him more than 18, he's, you know, chucking a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, uh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> It's but a, it's but a, your training is the same as what you give your athletes? Like what, what, um, what kind of athlete are you? If, if Apo is somebody that can't handle the 18 hours, what are you? Uh, it depends on what I'm training for, obviously. But I find when I'm at altitude, I respond really well to large aerobic volume. Mm. And then when I'm at sea level, I can include a lot more intensity. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to, again, I've gone through different things and different um, ideas of how to train. And I think there's a few different ways to skin a cat because mm -hmm. I've certainly had results of big aerobic volume and I've had results from minimal training and higher intensity. And I, I, I think a lot of it, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I did really well off 15-hour weeks for a while there. But then you forget the fact, oh, but I did do six months of 25-hour <laughs> yeah, weeks. I had three years of doing huge yeah, aerobic yeah, volume. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've done 15 years of base work. Yeah, yeah. So uh, ultimately I think th the biggest lesson I try and give to my athletes is consistency over craziness mm. and the longer the amount of time you've done aerobic training typically the, the better guys get so it's just doing year after year not doing anything stupid stay injury free be consistent and if you're looking for any quick magic things to get fast there isn't any <laughs> except, except for bouncy shoes 
exactly. <laughs> and, and are you someone that follows kind of any any specific diets or anything like that? Are you? I've, I've gone to the extreme on everything. Have you? <laughs> I'm not very good at moderating myself. Um, <laughs> Actually, yeah. I, when I had Matt Dixon on the show, I think he, <laughs> I think we talked about you on that episode too. You've, you've been spoken about on this show a bit, yeah. of, a, a bit about the extremes of you know. What yeah, you do. I, I just tend to tend to run with things a bit too far and and then have to bring it back to somewhere in the middle. So I'm probably the same politically. I'll be like, yeah. come back to the middle when I realise how, all, how wrong all, I was. We're all somewhere in the middle, to be honest, with all yeah. of that. I mean, um, but yeah, I've done you know, very high carbohydrate diets. Um, and that was really holding me back in long course, but I raced quite well, I think for my talent level over short course, I don't think I'm like crazy, crazy fast, but, um, but then when I I was fading big time in 70.3s, you know, and so I had to really change my diet to become more metabolically flexible. Mm. And then I think I got to the point where I was such a good fat burner that my body was actually not great at using glycogen. Mm-hmm. I had to bring back. You couldn't find the power in your legs. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. My top end was suffering. Mm. So then I had to. So now I work on a real, you know, in base training, I'll go lower carbohydrate and everything. But definitely as a general rule, I'll do on my easier aerobic days, it's lower carbohydrate. And on my high intensity days, I, I feel the beast. Isn't it funny? Yeah. Uh, that I remember towards the end of my career in 2015, 16, I was doing a few bit more longer and I started just, you know, doing the low carb diet and everything yeah. else, but I was still throwing in some Olympic distance races. And so I was kind of, go, Oh, well, I need to go out and do my three minute efforts and you know, that kind of, and I, I'd been focusing on this low carb diet and I go out there and I'm like, Laura, I just can't get out of fourth gear. Mm. I, I can't find the gear I need. It yep. was like the body stops you. Yep. Do you feel that same way? Yeah. And that, that was where I got to, I felt oh. like I could ride four or five hours on no food yeah. and go for an hour. Same. Off. Yeah. Go but do then, anything. Yeah. But then I was like, wow, I'm finding it really hard to ride above 300 watts. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and then, you know, obviously I, I had a coach at the time who was all about low carb for everything, mm. but I think it, if, if, if a 70.3 was a steady state time trial, maybe that would work, but it's not, as you know, there's attacks, there's points in the race where you're like, I've got to surge or I'm going to mm, lose these guys mm. or around a boy in the swim, like you have to be able to go anaerobic at yeah, certain times. Yeah. And so I had to learn how to, yeah, bring that back and be able to um, digest and utilise higher carbohydrate as well. It's, yeah. That's why they call it metabolic flexibility is because you can go both ways. Metabolic <laughs> flexibility. Actually, yeah. I haven't heard of, now I know that. I'll be using that all the time like it's my own. <laughs> but I like it. And, yeah. and have you found by doing that, you do notice a difference, like if you are going to be doing intense work and you you do carb or load or carb yeah. eat, you uh, feel better and way, you can do those way better. And yeah. also, even just your recovery is yeah. better. Um, I, f- I used to find I would be just shattered after a big intense yeah. day, and and I think it's just the body. You just you know it's like you cannot replace what you're burning, and and uh, so yeah, I, I found it just the. Certainly there's still some athletes where I'm like, you are atrocious at burning fat mm. and we'll go through a big phase of low carbohydrate. But yeah. most of the more advanced athletes who have a, a better capacity to do that, then we, we do certain days as mm. different different uh, strategies. So I want to move on here a little bit and talk about your team and your relationships because we talked about Monica and the kids and everything earlier. Who else is making up? I mean, do you have a big team these days? Are, are you traveling with anybody or are you a one-man show? What does that look like? <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, I, I guess at the, a few years ago, there was quite a team to it. Like I, I saw the same massage therapist several times a week and, uh, certainly worked with Matt Dixon for a long time. I've worked with other coaches as well, Alan mm. Cousins. And, um, I think, you know, when I talk about the importance of team, Matt Dixon was, I think his greatest strength was a sports psychologist. And I, I didn't have a lot of belief in myself. Mm. 
uh, at times. So I, I'd sometimes I'd be my ego would be out of control, and then other times I'd be like I shouldn't even be here. And so he helped get belief at the right times, and also sort of wound me back sometimes. Uh, so, <laughs> I know that feeling too well. <laughs> so I think I'm the king of the world. Yeah, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next day. But yeah, no, pretty pretty much a solo a yeah. solo team. I, I mean, I, I'm lucky to have to the biggest races. I have Mark Andrews from Trek come out and look yeah. after my bike, so I don't have to ke- travel with a mechanic and that sort of thing. I've got a great mechanic back home. I think there's a lot. Uh, I, I think if if I travelled with a whole team, and there was a point in my career where I definitely could have done that. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have increased my anxiety. race anxiety yeah. a lot more. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. You know, you go to Hawaii every year, and, and I'm certainly not suited to that race. <laughs> but if I'd gone with three or four people that I was paying their trips as well, <laughs> instead of losing ten grand a year, it'd be like well, it depends. Grand. In <laughs> fairness, it depends on the people. And it's like I've said, if if you have a team of people that are a good slap of a perspective, I think that's what you know. We we a lot of professional athletes miss the yeah. fact that this is a game that this is you know you're getting to be out in the you know yeah i i, I looking at this last olympics and, and watching a number of the athletes i'm like oh, they just need a good slap of perspective yeah you know yeah. drop them off in starving country in africa and just oh. just you know what i mean just ground I know yourself exactly what you mean that is my the, my biggest gripe with pros sometimes mm-hmm. is just don't forget how lucky we are gratitude we right? are, we are yeah. so privileged to do this and I mean, I, I fall into it. Everyone falls into it. You end up grumbling and complaining about things partly because you're tired. And, mm-hmm. But, mate, we are first world very lucky to be able to exercise for a living. Oh, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. the, it's the ultimate gig. And, yeah. and, yes, it's a lot of hard work to try and make it. And and I think a lot of us are fueled by anxiety big time. I mean, yeah. I've talked about it a lot. It's just uh, yeah. I look at it, but I don't look at that as a negative. I look at it as a fuel. Yep. You know, for me, anxiety means there's a problem. And you got to fix it. Yep. Well, the problem usually is a big race coming up, and you got to try and win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. So go fix it. Go yep. do it. There's um, a sweet spot with it. Obviously, there's been times when it's got too much, of course, and, and it's derailed things. Mm. And then if I don't have it, I know I'm not racing no. well. So I can be incredibly lazy. <laughs> yeah, you need that. You need that kick yeah. up the bum with yeah. your brain going. You yeah. crap. Get yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, I appreciate you said it earlier in the show that you you feel incredibly grateful to be doing what you do and i think that's a really great place to come from i think i think there's a that really helps with perspective it really helps with emotional management you know that ability to manage your ego and all of those things because i think a lot of athletes struggle with that so i think it's great that you've got that yeah i i think um largely i owe my wife a lot too and having three sisters who just bring you back down to earth and and tell (laughs) you you know you start to complain they're like what are you talking about you got a dream job you know or You need those people around you who just slap you back to reality sometimes and um, and I'm lucky to have that. Yeah, yeah, and I think our wives, yes, Laura, Laura my wife, I, I call her my pocket psychologist. She's <laughs> poor thing, constantly having to monitor me. Uh, but I got better, you know, with age and like you were saying, I yeah. think in the 30s and, and then into my 40s, I got much better at managing my ego. And uh, yeah. But that some ego is also needed. It's essential. Yeah. Um, and and that's what I've you know I coach a young guy Steve McKenna who I think is going to be awesome. Mm. Um, and the thing that I love about him is he's got an ego. You need to have the ego, and we're just trying to manage it, massage it a little bit, so calm it down some other yeah, times. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me a lot of myself just a few you know five six seven years ago. So. No, I, I, <laughs> I agree. I actually say you know you go to bike groups around the world, whether it's in Noosa or Florida or wherever. There's bike groups, and a great bike group for me, is one where there's enough ego 
but it can be managed. Yeah. You know, because there's nothing better than being a big bike group and you're all trying to push each other and everyone's trying to draw, you know, really yeah. hurt each other. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, everyone goes, oh, that was awesome. Thanks, mate. I needed that. Or whatever, you know, exactly. that, that kind of mateship that you can get from a bike group yeah. without the tantrums and all the nonsense that, you know, you can get. Um, yeah. No, so, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Does Byron Bay, you're in Byron or Lennox? So Lennox Head now. Yeah, yeah. beautiful part of the world. It's, I spent two years up in uh, Lismore doing, I went to Lismore Uni my first. Yeah, there's a few legends going around about you swimming out to Julian Rocks. We is did. That, is that yeah, true or yeah. False? No, oh. no, no, we did. We, not on my own, no, no. Well, I, so we had one of us in a surf ski. Yeah. And then so what is it, about 5K out? It's a big swim. Yeah. And so there's a lot of sharks out a, there, man. But how's this? So we did it for <laughs> most of my second year uni there. we go out on a Sunday and and one of us would swim, and the, you know, for 10 minutes or so or 20 yeah. minutes and the other one would be in the surf ski and then we'd swap and the other one would swim. We'd go out to Julian Rocks, come all the way back out. My, I think it was the week after I left Lismore to go back to Sydney, story comes out in the uh, <laughs> American, American couple on their honeymoon and one of them got taken by a shark out there, right where we used to swim. Oh. Never saw anything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they saw you. <laughs> you know, um, what's that? Um, there's a break there right at Byron Bay, um, Tallows Beach. Yeah. So I went out when I first went up to Lismore there. Sorry, everybody, this show is about Tim Reed, but <laughs> he's here and I'm chatting. I think so. everyone likes to talk sharks. So. <laughs> yes. So no, I went and it was the best wave I've ever seen. It was beautiful right-handed. You know those clean, just oh. picture this beautiful right-handed just yep. peeling way out the back. Had to swim all the way out and I was just body surfing these huge waves just catching. And they'd go all the way, right-handed, all the way back to the beach. I'd run all the way back down, hop in the rip, catch it all the way back and oh, just kept doing it. It was yeah. unreal. I get to university, my first day at university, and I tell all the locals, yeah, I, the waves were just amazing. No one was out. It was just me. And they're like, well, where were you swimming? I said, you know, describe the place. They said, that's Tallows. That's where the old meatworks used to be. I was just going <laughs> to say, I've heard that that's where they used to just put all the offcuts and things. <laughs> they're like, that's, they said, there's just so many sharks, Greg, there. You do not swim there. I never swam there again. Yeah. I was like, damn it. <laughs> anyway, mate, sorry about that little side story, everybody. <laughs> Um, anyway, I think this is a pretty good place, mate. I've got a couple of other questions I want to finish up with if we could. Yep. Um, so the first one, what is sort of one tip you have for people on just how to optimize their life? Um, just a small question oh, for I you think, to end with. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 20 dot points actually. <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm the best person to answer this. No. Nah, uh, I would say going back to what you mentioned before is perspective. Get, mm. get some perspective. Um, because I feel like it, it balances everything out well and it'll help you deal with uh, failure. It mm. helps you deal with, you know, success. And and I just think it's really important to don't bury your head in the sand, like know what's going on in the world, appreciate where you're at and what you've got going for you, you know, what what's going well and, and uh, don't wallow in, you know, everyone can just – their own world just becomes the little bubble around them. And I think it's it's helpful and it's been helpful for me to um, certainly widen my vision of what's going on everywhere and how lucky I am and that sort of thing. So I love that. Mm. That's one of my favourite answers I think I've had on this show because I couldn't agree more and especially in this past 18 months, two years with the, the COVID and the lockdowns and <laughs> this is miserable and you go, well, hang on. Things can always be worse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, mean, you still yeah. got running water. You still got some food on the table. You got a roof over your head. Yeah. Start there. Exactly. Um, so I like that one. Okay, next one. If you could sit and have a coffee with any living person, who would it be and why? Uh, sit and have a coffee with any living person. Probably Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. <laughs> Get out. 
Yeah. Did you listen to Tim O'Donnell's episode last week? No, I haven't listened to his. Is that his? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. No, I haven't listened to it. <laughs> I didn't want to get emotional listening to his thing because you put that up on Instagram and he was getting me. I was like, oh, I don't want to worry about my heart. Oh, <laughs> so no. I haven't listened to it yet. No, it was actually, it was actually a really great – it was a great episode. We only – probably 20 minutes was about the heart, but we, we moved on to some fun stuff after oh, that. But, okay. No, but I'm I asked a big him fan that, of Dave. Just yeah. Not just because of his music. He's just like one of the few guys that didn't sort of descend into it complete drug addiction yeah yeah, yeah. Just a lot of, yeah but even when i asked to yeah. that one as well in the fun rapid questions of who would you invite to your dinner oh. and he's like oh dave Grohl's coming oh, to that too i feel like an idiot <laughs> saying it. i honestly haven't heard the episode. that is so great <laughs> two for two i love it all right mate what's next 70.3 worlds um is it Ironman California? What else have you got coming So up? I'm doing Augusta, then a week later mm-hmm. Memphis. So I'll get to go to some humid races, which my asthma absolutely loves. Uh, and then then I'll try and, yeah, do finish off some Ironman training to do California. The plan being I really hope that obviously Yarn's going to race. and I, I've been told. Um, yeah, Yarn's coming out to California, So I it'd believe. just be cool yeah. to line up against – I just like racing against those guys. Of course, you I want mean, to measure course, up, of course. I'm not, you know – you know, if you can finish within 10 minutes, yeah, <laughs> you've done well. But it, it's, yeah, it'd just be exciting to race some of the best guys in cooler conditions that I feel suit me better for an Ironman. And, um, but you'll be coming off three 70.3s or, or yeah, but races. a hell of a lot of base training over the, yeah, you know, but you'll be shut. My point is, you'll be race hardened. I think so, yeah, for, for my California. First, my first 70 uh, Ironman and only Ironman win actually was off the back of three 70.3s and no Ironman training. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So I think it, you know, it can work. So. Well, I think I'm going to try and get out to California actually. I've got a couple of friends, a uh, couple of friends there, so we'll have to, I'll be there on the sideline cheering. Yep, with us. Time gap. Sounds Nine minutes, awesome. 57. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> well, yeah, well, you got to line up. He occasionally, once every two or three years, he has a shocker. And yeah, I, that's I, right. I, I beat him. <laughs> I beat him. I do that with Alistair Brownlee. I look at my scoreboard with Alistair. I'm actually, I actually did all right because so, I just took advantage of when he had his well, off so, times. Mate, so, so actually have I. I remember I raced him in high V yeah. when he had a shocker. shocker. Probably one of his four, worst. Four weeks after and winning I the only, Olympic gold, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I only beat him by one place. <laughs> that's then, all right. You beat him. <laughs> and then there was Hawaii last year. And I was like, sweet, that's two for two for two me, for, none to him. Two for and two. I'm never racing him again. So who <laughs> is the greatest of all time? Tim oh. Reed or Alistair Brownlee? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little bit debatable. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're beating him. So. I love it, mate. Tim, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for coming up. Oh, no, know, it's a I pleasure. Know, you know. I'm really glad we could chat. Yeah, this, um, is, this is fun, Before mate. I finish, actually, I meant to say it's part of my team. Uh, Warren and Pam Shuckies, who I stay with in Boulder, mm. have been like a second family to me. And I just wanted to give them a shout out because I would not be coming to the States every year if I didn't have a family to sort of stay with because, you know, it's like can be lonely, hotel yeah. life. Yeah. And and so big thank you to them. Um, not, you know, sorry to take over the podcast. No, 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 please it's, do. It's really please important do. to me because yeah. they've, they've done so much for me since 2010. Wow, so, you've been yeah. coming back and staying with them in Boulder all that time? Pretty much every year. Have they yeah. come down to Bo- uh, Byron Man, and They came Lennox? to my wedding, yep. Did they really? In Australia, oh, yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, that's great. So you really do have a second family over here. That's do, fantastic. Yeah. No, it's, it's been wonderful. So yeah, thanks. Well, big then. shout out. Well, mate, thank you again for coming on and uh, well, sharing your journey and a bit of your process and helping me with the predictions. This weekend, no worries. Especially as you, I think we were recent. pretty vague, but that's all right. I don't know. I actually, With think the we, narrow, we narrowed it down to about five and five. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah, I think Not we did bad. pretty good. <laughs> all right, thanks everybody for listening and uh, sharing the show and and all your feedback. And you can find all the timestamps and show notes and links at, at bennettendurance.com forward slash media. Thanks again, Tim. This is awesome. Thank you. All right, cheers, buddy. Cheers. 
Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.